Welcome. We are back in John's Gospel this week, and I'm going to read to you 47 verses, which is quite a lot. It will take us about five minutes, but I'd encourage you to follow along with the words on the screen or with a Bible open in front of you. I'm reading from John chapter 8, verses 12 through to 59. Here we go. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. You have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where's your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Once more, Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. I told you you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sin. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and what I've heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many believed in him. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I've seen in the father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for ways to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. 
We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not, not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you carry, want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying you are Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honour my Father and you dishonour me. I am not seeking glory for myself, for there is not one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Very truly I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know you are demon-possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Wow! <laughs> Six minutes it took us to read that passage together. There is a lot going on. Now, there are parts of John's gospel, narratives and parables that we can read and they're just easily, and they're easily understandable. Not so much these verses. Now, we're working through the whole of John's Gospel, and we're trying to do it in one calendar year, which means we're not able to go through verse by verse. And there is huge stuff in here. We'll unpack it a bit more in this week's devotions. And I would encourage you, we would encourage you, get into this passage, read it, meditate it, get a decent commentary, and do go through verse by verse. It will bless you. It will unpack things about the devil, about security, about religion. What we're going to do is do a bit of an overview. We're going to look at the beginning and the end of this passage to help us understand the fundamentals of this passage. According to research at Cambridge University, it doesn't matter what order the letters in a word are. The only important thing is that the first and the last letter be in the right place. The rest can be a total mess and you can still read it without a problem. 
Apologies if English is not your first language. That little passage messed with my spell check on my computer and it probably messed with your brain. But it's this study that says if the beginning and the end of a word is in the right place, our brains fill in the gaps. And this passage is a bit like that. If we understand the first verse and the last verse, we can understand what God is saying. Verse 12 which we read about 10 minutes ago, says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And then in verse 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now remember what John is trying to do in his gospel. He's not writing randomly. He's taking set parts of Jesus' life and he's trying to help us see Jesus and having seen Jesus, ask this question, who is he? Who is Jesus? What is Jesus' identity? John's hope is that we would discover who Jesus is, who he was and who he is now and that in that discovery we would discover who we are and we would have life, life in all its fullness. And John organises his gospel around seven signs and seven statements. We've already seen five of those signs. Water into wine, the healing of the official's son, the healing of the paralytic man, the feeding of the 5,000 and walking on water. In a few weeks' time, we'll see the healing of the man born blind and we'll see the raising of Lazarus. Seven signs that point to Jesus. Seven events taken by John out of Jesus' ministry that cause us to think, wow, who is this man? But as well as seven signs, John gives us seven statements of Jesus. The I am statements. And we get the second of those here. So a few weeks ago, we got I am the bread of life. Here, we get I am the light of the world. And before Abraham was, I am. We'll see in verse 10, I am the gate. We'll see I am the good shepherd. We'll see I am the resurrection and the life. We'll see I am the way, the truth and the life. And then in, verse, in chapter 15, I am the true vine. Seven signs, seven statements. The signs are meant to make us look at Jesus. The statements are meant to help us understand who Jesus is. And these verses, this passage, is all about Jesus trying to show people who he truly is. Now, why does I am matter? We, we could, reading in our translations in, in English or our native language, we could miss the importance of these two small words, I am, three letters in English. But for the Jews, for Jesus' original hearers, these are powerful words, almost the most powerful words they could hear, the most powerful thing he could say. Even in our translation, we understand the weight of them because we see the people's response in verse 59. At this, when Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am, at this moment they pick up stones and want to stone him to death. And somehow in the midst of the crowd, he drifts away 
we're told it's because of the sovereignty of God. His hour has not come. Jesus did come to die, just not yet. When Jesus uses this phrase in these statements, when he connects that phrase with himself, he is identifying himself with God. This is what it says in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 3. Famous encounter between God and Moses at the burning bush. God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Jesus is connecting himself with God. Jesus is declaring in these words, I am God. I am divine. That's why they want to stone him, because in that moment he is being blasphemous to their ears. And the only reaction, therefore, is to stone him. By this point in our journey through Jesus' ministry, we've seen five of the signs that John records. The people are transfixed with Jesus. Wherever Jesus goes, he gathers a crowd. People are eager to see what he does next. As Elizabeth shared with us a few weeks ago, Jesus is becoming hot property, surrounded by people who want him to live up to their expectations. Having taught on the Holy Spirit and revealed once again the compassion of God through the handling of the woman caught in adultery, Jesus now goes toe-to-toe with the people on this subject of his identity. And it is not pretty. In summary, Jesus is accused by the Pharisees and by the people of being a false witness, fatherless, a liar, a Samaritan, demon-possessed, arrogant, self-aggrandizing, and then they try and stone him. Jesus, in in reply, says they have no knowledge of God, they are earthly, not heavenly, they're not keeping the law, they are not children of Abraham, they're in fact children of the devil. As a result, they are liars, potential murderers, and slaves to sin. Wow. I mean, even when we understand that Jewish teaching and rabbinic teaching was often a bit cut and thrust, There was often like one of those great family uh, arguments you have at Christmas where where the gloves are off and everybody gets involved. I don't know if you have those in your family. We have them in ours. Even taking that into consideration, this is a challenging debate. This would have been uncomfortable. The people do not pull any punches and neither does Jesus. What's going on? This doesn't seem like gentle Jesus, meek and mild. This seems robust. This seems 
confrontational. Jesus says a number of times he's not come to judge, and yet some of these words seem pretty judgmental to me. What is going on? Remember, the signs are meant to open our eyes to see Jesus. What Jesus says is meant to reveal who he is. And Jesus is desperate for these people, his people. Jesus is a Jew. Jesus has been raised up in a Jewish household. The the law is in him. The traditions are in him. He's celebrated Passover year after year. Jesus loves his people. He doesn't have much time for religious leaders who oppress people, but he loves his people. He loves his nation. He's desperate for his nation to see him, to know him, to understand him. He's the Messiah. Their prophets have promised him to them. They are desperate for a Messiah. They are desperate to be set free. And Jesus is there in front of them. And they're missing it. They're missing him. Often we get most frustrated, don't we, with those we love the most. A parent will sometimes speak most harshly when a child goes to run into the road Not because they love them a little, but because they love them a lot. And that fear that the child might have run into the road and been hit by a car, that fear triggers love and frustration. It's like that here with Jesus, I think. Of course, Jesus doesn't lose the plot. He doesn't get over angry. He doesn't fall into sin as we often do when we get frustrated or angry. He doesn't sin, but he is... Oh, he feels the weight. What is he trying to do? Well, he's trying to lift them out of some religious identity into relationship. Notice what he does all the time in these verses. Is he says, you're thinking down here. I'm thinking up here. Come on. Get out of your earthly thinking and get into heavenly thinking because heavenly thinking has come down to you. That's what he's trying to do. You see, the people in their challenges to Jesus move through their various different levels of security and identity. So they they start with the law. That was one of the foundations of a Jewish person's identity, the law, the Torah. So the Pharisees start by challenging Jesus on the law. Hang on, you're saying this, but there's only one of you. Now remember, Jesus, the law says there's got to be two of you. Okay, so they they start there. Then they kind of go into some kind of human wisdom and reason. When Jesus says, you won't see me anymore, they go, oh, um, does that mean he's going to kill himself and that's why we can't be with him because if you kill yourself that's a sin and 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 we can't step there so so they then go human wisdom and then they go heritage so they've gone law Moses they've gone human wisdom kind of rabbinic wisdom then they go heritage Abraham remember the Jews are the seed of Abraham the promise to Abraham your descendants will be more multiple more and what's the word 
Uh, there'll be more of you than grains of, uh, you know, grains of sand and stars in the sky. Abraham, surely, you know, Abraham's children, Abraham's children who were rescued from slavery in Egypt by Moses. So they appeal to their heritage. They've appealed to the law. They've appealed to reason. They've appealed to the heritage. Then they appeal to their bloodline by pointing out, oh, you must be a Samaritan. Who were the Samaritans? Well, they were the impure bloodline, but the Jews are, have purity. See, what they're doing is they're, they're challenging the identity of Christ on the basis of their securities, their identities. And what does Jesus do? He keeps coming back to relationship. He keeps talking about the Father. The Father testifies about me. The Father knows who I am. I don't exist for my glory, but for the glory of the Father. If you knew the Father, you'd know me. And through knowing me, you get to know the Father. What's Jesus doing? He's constantly saying, don't rely on that. No, it's about relationship. You see, the people want to start with earthly structures and let those structures, those beliefs, shape who Jesus is. They basically want a Messiah in their image. They want Jesus to fit in their box. They've got all these securities, they like their traditions, and they like their laws, and they like how they live their life, and they like their human reason. And yep, Jesus, if you want to do some signs and some miracles, if you want to make my life better, okay, They've been deceived. Jesus is trying to recalibrate their understanding. He's saying, no, you are lost. You are blind. You are dead in the sin that has taken hold of you. You've been deceived. Either they've been deceived by what is fundamentally good, Abraham's faith, Moses and the law, their history of rescue, and they've just made them legalistic structures to keep them safe, or they've been deceived by the devil himself, the father of lies, the one who, if he speaks, he's lying, who says to Adam and Eve, you will not surely die, who says, did God really say? Jesus is saying to them, look, You've either taken what is good and created a structure to keep you safe, which basically means you can point the finger at other people, or you've been deceived by that which is fundamentally bad, your enemy, the devil, who, as Peter will tell us, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus is trying to get them out of their prison cell of legalism and false security and see him for who he is, the Son of God, in relationship with the Father who is offering them real relationship. What's the outcome? Tragically, in this passage, the people half get it. 
they realize, oh my word, you're not just a rabbi, you're not just a good man who does miracles, you are telling us you are the son of God, the son of man, you're telling us you are the I am. They get that, but most of them do not go from there to, and oh wow, you're telling me that I can have a relationship with you and through you with the Father. They don't get lifted up, they stoop down and pick up a rock. They half get it. They half get it. Which means, of course, they don't get it at all. Now, it would be very easy at this point for us to go, oh, those foolish Jews. Because we've read to the end of the book. We know that they missed it. And yet, am I any better? Do I miss Jesus on a daily basis? Do I try to define Jesus in a way that fits in with my structures? Do I have a life that I like and rules that I like obeying and, and laws that keep me safe by making me a little bit judgmental of others? And do I just ask Jesus to fit into my view? Well, of course, the answer is yes. I do that all the time. My prayer life can be dominated with, Lord, please bless my plans. My life can be full of me and how Jesus makes my life better. So is there any hope? Well, by the grace of God, yes, there is. And in the middle of this passage, we're reminded of that hope. Verse 28 says, So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am He. When you have lifted up. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, maybe he is talking about his ascension. Maybe he is talking about the fact that he will be glorified. As Philippians 2 tells us, the Father gives him the name that is above every other name. That might be being talked about here, but what is definitely being talked about here is the cross. Jesus will be lifted up on the cross what does he say when you when you have lifted up the son of man these people in debate will be some of them those who cry out crucify crucify and it's in that moment they will see jesus for who he truly is naked on a cross they will see Ah, oh, this is God. This is the Messiah. This is the grace of God perfectly revealed. This is my sin being dealt with. This is the way that I am set free. This is the way 
that all those false identities and false hopes, all those lies of the devil, you will not surely die, will be dealt with. And hope will be born. This is the moment. Do I, at times, want Jesus to fit into my image of him? Well, yes. But does that mean I'm lost? No, it doesn't, because by the grace of God, Christ dies. And Christ's righteousness, Christ's perfect relationship with the Father is imputed to me as I believe in him. John wants us to see Jesus and know Jesus that we might be known by the Father and fully known that we might have life in all its fullness. That's why Jesus challenges his believer, his first hearers. That's why Jesus challenges us today. Friends, let's not try and form Jesus in our image. Let's allow him, his divinity, his love, his grace, his power to form us into his likeness. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that the truth will set us free. And we thank you that Jesus declared, I am the way and the truth. We come to you again today under the gaze of your word and say, speak to our hearts and continue to transform us into your likeness for our benefit, but for your glory. Amen. Amen.